With the proliferation of online social media, platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, forums, blogs, and podcasts are spawning a new breed of star. Past the Susan Boyles and the Rebecca Blacks, when you get into the world of, say, podcasts, people like Mark Marin, the Uh Yeah Dudes, and Cassius Morris have been able to gain followings that probably wouldn't have been possible through conventional means. It's not a secret that I'm a big KISS fan, so when trolling through the podcast world for KISS podcasts recently, I stumbled upon Cassius Morris, checked out his KISS podcast, Creatures of the Net, and was very impressed by his knowledge and passion for the band. I reached out to him and he graciously agreed to be on my podcast. And this episode is our conversation. So the two of us, as you'll hear, sat down via Skype and talked about KISS. Just the two of us, because Nick Flanagan, who is usually present for all podcast tapings, is on the road doing the um, South by Southwest Festival and some comedy shows throughout the country. Uh, it, in other words, Nick Nick's on tour. So when Nick's on tour, I'll talk about KISS. I do want to say that the comments on iTunes about the podcast have been amazing. So thank you to everyone who's left a comment. In the U.S. store, thanks to Scotty Slam and Stacy and Matthew Painter for your recent comments. And thanks to Kara, psyched, I believe, or pushed, psyched. And uh, Paul Hoos 611 for your comments in the Canadian store and all the comments in Germany, Switzerland, and the ratings in Sweden. Thank you very much. And, and anyone out there listening, please leave a, a ratings or a, or a review or a comment or anything on, up on iTunes in your respective stores. It just helps the podcast profile out on iTunes. So if you can do that, that would be awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, I also want to mention that this podcast would sound like crap if it weren't for the Yeti blue mic microphones we're using and use for every episode, but especially this one, since it was done through the unpredictable nature of Skype, um, it really does sound like the two of us are in the same room together. Uh, of course, being that it was done through Skype, you know, there's a few dropouts here and there, and I, it sounds like I had to raise, when I listen back, it, it sounds like I've raised the volume on my speaking voice a bit. But um, past that, please note that it was done through Skype. Um, a big shout out to the uh, Skull Candy headphones for, for providing me with the headphones for this podcast and every podcast too. And of course, Van's shoes uh, for providing footwear for this podcast. All right, here we go. A full-blown, no-holds-barred conversation with Cassius Morris about the hottest band in the land, Kiss, on the official Danko Jones podcast. And it starts... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I mention that Cassius is 13 years old? All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another episode. This is the first podcast we're doing via Skype. 
I'm talking to Cassius Morris um, of Creatures of the Net podcast fame. He is in Halifax, Nova Scotia, calling in. How you doing, Cassius? I'm doing fine. How about you? Doing great. And we are here both today to discuss probably our favorite band. This is the one thing we have in common. Kiss. Yes. You've got a Kiss podcast that I found through the net and didn't real. I was listening to it and you also guest on other Kiss podcasts, including the Pod Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't realize that you are a fellow Canadian. You live out in Halifax. Yeah, yeah, fellow Canadian uh, trying to represent well. <laughs> and representing well, I believe, you are in the KISS Army. I absolutely am in the KISS Army. And that's what we're here today to discuss. Um, KISS, and only KISS, really. And one of the things on on today's podcast that I wanted to discuss was um, No Regrets by Ace Freely, the Ace Freely autobiography that came out. Last winter, just in time for Christmas, I believe. Yes. Um, what did you think about about the book? Um, well, so far what I've read, I think it's uh, very well written. I was actually surprised that Ace... Um, I was surprised that Ace could write so um, intelligently. I mean, uh, not that Ace isn't an intelligent guy, but the way he wrote the book really surprised me. It was a lot... Um, it was very well written, for sure. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, obviously, he has ghost writers. I cannot picture uh, Ace Freely sitting down in front of a, a word processor typing out, no. you know, like a 400-page tome. He was very even-handed, I thought, um, considering how much over the years Gene Simmons especially has taken shots at Ace. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to to Ace's credit, I don't think he's really volleyed back until this book. What do what, what'd you think about that? I think it would be fair. And at this point, I honestly think that anything Ace would say would be fair because over the years, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, I remember in this one interview um, back in the 80s in the Crazy Nights era, they did, Gene and Paul did an interview and they were asked which one of the solo albums were the most popular. And they said, uh, well, it wasn't mine and it wasn't Gene's, but it was one of the past members that whose name isn't worth mentioning. I th- Things like that, it just keeps going on and on and on. And I think that anything Ace says about them would be fair at this point. To watch someone as talented as Ace, you know, go on and take a large section of the Kiss Army with him uh, is threatening for Gene and Paul, has been threatening for Gene and Paul. They're gonna, you know, lash out any way they can, especially Gene. The one thing I would say about the book, he did include things that I'd always wanted to read about, that when reading Kiss bios, you don't really necessarily hear too much about, like um, the days when they were playing the Coventry. Uh, the Eddie Kramer show at the Daisy, the Bill Hawkhorn show at the Diplomat. And to get like a real insider look, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't take my eye, my, my eyes off the pages. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good point. And actually you were talking about how Gina Paul felt kind of threatened going back to 1978 when Ace first put out his solo album. 
I think that's when they first really started to feel threatened by Ace because at first in the early days of Kiss, as most people, even if you're not a Kiss fan, you'll know, Ace, obviously, you know, he he wrote songs for other people because he was a little too shy to sing them in the first few albums, right? And, um, you know, he was just that kind of guy. He was very low-key. But then I think that when he released his 1978 solo album, Gene and Paul realized, oh, no, this guy can go on by himself, and he doesn't need Kiss for success necessarily. Maybe for in the beginning, but after he... Kiss was like a platform for Ace. And now he's he stepped off that platform onto one a little lower because, you know, obviously Ace's solo stuff isn't as popular as Kiss today, but he still has those fans. So I think Gene and Paul are definitely threatened by that. And I'm not sure that Gene could do the same. Um, you know, you heard his asshole album. That was just a train wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think for me as a fan, what saddens me is the lost output we would have gotten as kiss fans if we had gotten a cleaned up ace earlier on how many amazing albums he would have been able to put out like right after freely's comet right after rock soldiers and just kept moving that train forward album tour album tour album tour i mean anomaly from 09 was was great you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't take anything away from it, and it stands side by side with Sonic Boom. And so now, as Kiss Army fans, we have two sources of of great Kiss tunes. But you know, I just I just think about that lost potential he had back then, not just as a songwriter, a singer, but also as a guitar player. I feel, as do a lot of Kiss fans, Ace's chops declined over the years, and it can only be because of. I think the drugs and alcohol. Right. And that's a very good point. And you can say the same thing about Peter Chris. I mean, his drumming, when you look at the the symphony DVD from 2003, his drumming and actually that whole year, really on the world domination tour and all that, his drumming was just not up to par. They, I believe they, I don't believe they even had a drum solo. I mean, I think it was, he had, 2003 Peter was not pretty. And I think all the years of destruction he'd been doing to himself really started. I mean, the dynasty tour most for the most part in 78 and 79 was a mess. You know what I mean? I mean, the playing just, I mean, at the Largo show, that DVD, you you can just see the playing is just deteriorating with those two. So in a way, I think it was good that they got out of Kiss to try to deal with their issues. But, you know, as a fan, you're right. It does suck to have the original members leaving. And Peter as well. You bring up Peter. I mean, wouldn't it have been great if he had kept making solo albums? His solo album output doesn't even rival Aces. No. But he's got that Rod Stewart-esque raspy voice that... Eventually, he would have hit up on something if he just kept putting those albums out, you know, and we would have gotten something out of it. You know, he, he, you know, he sang Hooligan, he sang Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Those are great songs. Whether he wrote them or not, they're sung. Like, Our Luck Woman. Goes without saying. Right. Um, which is an incredible, I mean, it just shows how underrated Peter Chris is in, in all of history. Absolutely. Uh, one, I just wanted to mention also some of the, the, the highlights of the book. I really liked, there's a little passage where Ace talks about the rhythm that they got in 
when they were a very, very big 70s main event act, the rhythm of the whole putting on the makeup in the dress room, you really get an insider's look at something that no one was allowed in except maybe, I don't know, maybe Neil Bogart or Sean Delaney. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just really, really cool stuff. I just wish he went longer on that. Um, And such a way to end with a punch-up at the end in 2001 with Tommy Thayer in the dressing room. Members, old makeup. This is a right. controversy in the Kiss Army that has split everybody in two. I think most people, just like when Van Halen replaced David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar, side with sided with David Lee Roth. Um, although they sold more records with Sammy, most Kiss fans, I would assume, would would rather Tommy and Eric put on new makeups new characters uh that's just my and i and i'm in that camp those are my two cents but you have an opposite viewpoint yes um you know you know this is probably uh an example that if there's any kids listening to this podcast around my age you'll know what i mean you know when you're playing capture the flag and you can't go over the line um, mm-hmm. Well, m- I have one foot on my side and one foot on the other. I can't decide. I go back and forth every day about the makeup. Um, and, you know, I the thing is with a podcast, when one day I'm for it and one day I'm not, it's all documented. So if let's say somebody hears me saying, oh, I'm all for the makeup and they don't listen to any other episodes. I'm not saying that's what you did. But if somebody does, they'll say, oh, he's for the makeup. And if, you know, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's very um it's very difficult but as of now I don't know I I'm biased about Eric because me him and I are kind of pals <laughs> but um I know this. Yes, uh and that was a real surprise to me but with Tommy I mean I'm not a huge fan of it at all but uh I know that it, it just wouldn't feel right to the eye with the new makeups. I mean the Eric Carr's makeup was cool but it just didn't feel right to me to have him and Vinnie Vincent in new makeup. I, I wouldn't have rather they had Ace of Peter's makeup, but it just looked off. For me, you know, it's an extension of what Kiss, why I was attracted to Kiss in the first place. It's that superhero element. You know, these guys are more than rock musicians. They're more than a rock band. They're superheroes. Movies like Phantom of the, uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, um, really helped solidify that with me when I was a kid. And the way I kind of argue uh, the whole Tommy Eric in old makeup is, you know, if Clark Kent stopped being Superman, I don't want to see Captain America put on the Superman suit. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather Captain America be Captain America. Um, And that's kind of how I feel Tommy and Eric they're not, I mean, it's, it's out of their hands. They're incredible mm-hmm. musicians and arguably better than Peter and Ace at what they're doing. If you listen to that Sonic Boom record and you listen to Tommy's solos, he yeah. can do Ace and he can do Bruce, you know? So that's really flex. I mean, it's, it says a lot about Tommy. So he, I feel 
He can stand yeah. up on his own makeup. He can stand up on his own, you know, character. And it would really interest a lot, I think, a large faction of the army and say, wow, we we join KISS and it expands. You know, it just doesn't stop at the four characters. It expands. And that is how I view this whole topic of new members, old makeup. I remember in the uh, KISS Extreme Close-Up VHS that was put out in the early 90s, they interviewed Eric during the Revenge era, and he said that he probably would have been the Hawk. Yeah. And yeah, I, I saw that. that. Yeah, I think that would be a, a real logical character for, for Eric. Having said that, I think he's got a great singing voice, better than Tommy's, and he can really nail Beth, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I agree. So what do you think about Tommy singing Shock Me? Are you for that? Um, I'm about as for it as uh, Eric singing Beth. That's fine. Uh, I understand that that song needs to be played or heard, but there's just so many songs in the catalog. They don't mm-hmm. have to play it. It's like, I don't know. It's it's like uh, desecrating a, a tombstone. Not to say that right. Ace is dead, but <laughs> for the most part, the Spaceman character, the real Spaceman is retired. I think, I think they could do better with, with a lot more other songs. You know, this morning I was listening to Asylum. Hadn't heard it in such a long time, getting ready to talk to you. And Trial by Fire is an incredible song. Sure is. Give that to Tommy to think, to sing, you know? Right. That's and, and you know, it's, it's hard to see them singing to, I mean, every member has to have at least one song. As in, you know, Gina Paul always have songs, but the other two members... If they sing songs, they at least have to have one in the concerts. That it seems like it goes that way. They, they'll say, "Okay, we'll give you one or two songs," and it's hard for me to accept them singing "Beth" and "Shock Me" when they just released their own songs. That's a step in the right direction for me. Yet they don't want to do them live. I, I that I don't understand one bit. At least throw it in somewhere. I mean, it. You know what I mean? It makes no sense to me. I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, uh, Tommy should do. You know, when lightning strikes. And I understand the whole pause in the show and the whole up and down of a, of a live show myself. Uh, So, you know, they could get uh, Eric to come around and sing a song, but like you mentioned before, there's always hard luck woman. If you want to do a ballad, do it right and respect the old era and start a new era with the cat man singing hard luck woman. It's interesting. That's an interesting thought because it's hard for me. I mean, do you agree? I don't agree with this because Gene and Paul are in the band, but do you agree with the people that say that this kiss is a tribute band now? It's hard to say because there's a lot of bands who are going out there on the road who uh, have a history and a fan base with only one original member, you know, right. and the rest are hired guns. And they're putting out new albums. Gene and Paul, original members. Uh, Eric has been playing with the band for almost 20 years. Well, 20 years this year, his recorded output. Uh, Tommy's been with Gene, whether people know it or not, since the black and blue days. So 
I wouldn't call them a tribute act. Me either, definitely. Actually, I just wanted to bring up something that was quite interesting. Uh, you mentioned before that uh, you're friends with Eric Singer. Mm-hmm. And people who are listening to the podcast might not realize that you are friends with him because you interviewed him on your podcast, Creatures of the Net, his tribute podcast. And I listened to the interview and I was really struck by how professional Eric was, um, how knowledgeable you were about Kiss and the Eric era, and how well you guys got got along back and forth. What was it like interviewing Eric, and what happened after the interview? Well, it um, it was a dream come true for me because... People who listen to it might think that I talked to their management, they set it up. No, I was, the questions that I asked were questions that I genuinely wanted to know. I wasn't worried about promoting things like when you talk to their management. I was doing a live show on Vocal, vocal, which I do every Saturday. I was doing that and all of a sudden I I started sending out messages to people because I wanted a guest and I sent one to Eric Singer. I end the show and right away I get a message back saying, are you still on? I want to call in. So I go back on and Eric calls in out of the blue. And then an hour later, I'm still talking to him and I'm, I'm shocked that he's, you know, I was surprised too. I mean, Eric was very, very knowledgeable about things that I didn't, that didn't like, you know, like Ace's solo stuff that didn't really even concern him. So I was definitely a surprise. And afterwards, I mean, now the other week I just got a, uh, a package from actual uh the band and they sent me a whole bunch of signed stuff and i i got my i also sent them some stuff so they just sent extras back and i got my first kiss concert ticket signed and things like that so eric's been very kind to me i actually got a message uh from him the other day and he uh, wants me to compare watches for him and you know i never thought that'd be happening (laughs) That is that is amazing to hear, and it's uh, a testament to just how cool Eric Singer is. You know, Eric is beyond Kiss. He, he was a well-established drummer before he even joined Kiss, being with Black Sabbath, Alice right. Cooper, and Badlands. And now we're starting to realize an incredible singer. Um, but listening to the interview you guys did together, uh, and we talked about the old old makeup and the new members controversy. I thought he handled his, the questions you shot at him, uh, with, with grace. And he made some really good points about it. Uh, but I'm still a purist in that. I want Eric to become, to to step out of Peter Chris's shadow and become the Hawk that he's supposed to be. Yeah. See, I, I want him to do that. You know, I find that Eric does that better than Tommy in a way, as in not necessarily in the makeup, but stepping out of Peter's shadow. Because when you listen to Eric Singer's live drum solos, they sound nothing like Peter Chris's. It's all him. When you listen to Tommy's guitar solo, it's pretty much exactly Ace's. He does the da 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 and he shoots the rockets. And Eric's is completely different. It's... I that's why I'm kind of biased like that. You know, it could be the fact that Eric has been in the spotlight for longer than Tommy. You know, Black and Blue were never a big band 
whereas Eric, you know, were was in really big bands for a long time. Alice Cooper, Tony Iommi, Jakey Lee, these are legends, you know. So yeah. I think he's he's a little more secure. That's a really good way of looking at it. I look at it in terms of eras. I look at um with makeup, early 70s, without makeup. Like I don't go by years. I just for me, the 80s is without makeup, even though I know that The Creatures of the Night was released in 1980 and things like that. Well, around that time. Uh, pardon me, all diehard Kiss fans, if I'm bad with my years, because I've made some mistakes about that. But, um, you know, I look at it in terms of eras. Makeup, non-makeup, back with makeup. and But when they w- put the makeup back on, it's so much more difficult because it, like it was like a new lineup every month. Like, it was so many. First you got... Eric and Ace and you got Peter and Tommy and then you have, you know, the new guys. It's just, it was really hectic. Yeah. And it's funny. You mentioned the eighties unmasked era. Um, now I think it's safe to say that kiss are never going to take off the makeup again. No way. Uh, they're just going to keep going forward uh, with the classic fork uh, makeup designs until they all die. Um, which to me makes those arguably six years, 83 to 89, uh, very special now. At first, it was like a relief when they put back the makeup on and everybody was like, oh, thank God, we're done with that, you know, horrid glam rock era. (laughs) But as the years are going by, I'm starting to take those, lick it up to, I guess, Carnival of Souls, or for me, it would probably be uh, Hot in the Shade. Those years as really special kiss years. Yeah. Those were the years they took off the makeup. And <clears throat> I think as, as time goes on, we're going to start start to see those years be the most valuable in terms of uh, collectability and all that kind of stuff. I agree for sure. Let's move forward to our third topic, which is a topic that as a Kiss fan, that's why you became a Kiss fan, because Kiss was a band that didn't only give you the albums, they gave you much more. Yeah, definitely. Merchandise. If you look at like uh, comedian ventriloquist Jeff Dunham, I think he must have taken some stuff, uh, you know, I mean, taking the idea of merchandising from Kiss because he has everything too. I mean, I'm not saying stolen, but he must have had some influence there because his merchandise definitely enthralls me just as much as Kiss's because I'm a, I'm a fan of his. Right. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about that Kiss merchandise. Sure. I want to really, I really want to start off with uh, the Kiss merchandise you can get now, what you can buy from KissOnline.com. And uh, they've actually, KISS have um, given us all a preview uh, of some of the um, authorized merch items that are going to be coming out for 2012. There's a a car seat, there's a a baby pacifier even, and a clock. What do you think about some of these new uh, KISS products? I think the baby pacifier is hilarious because if... 
like I would never give that to my baby. As as funny as it is, I I may get it for a collectible, but I mean, I th- I think that's a little too far in expectations for the Kiss Army. But hey, then again, people buy Kiss coffins. So the the sunglasses are funny, especially yeah. the Ace ones. I think are pretty cool. But, I like uh, the bobbleheads and stuff. Like in the Funko vinyl figures, I have a Paul Stanley bobblehead right here. I think it's really really cool. Yeah, and Paul is your favorite one, am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, um, definitely. I love the bobbleheads. And in the past, you know, they've put out the action figures and the busts. I got the uh, Psycho Circus one. Right. The Alive. Nice. The 97 McFarlane solo album one. That was the first line. Cool. And uh, I have the Eric Carr doll from the creatures of the night set that's the only one i need <laughs> i have all the other three it's the only one i bought it was, the, it was the only one i wanted right eric Hart. he was a special guy he really was you know it, and and i wish they would just keep their ego in check and satiate the fans and put out an ank warrior action figure and an equal amount of fox uh action figures what do you think about that I think that's great. I mean, even though Vinnie Vincent has his troubles and uh, he's definitely had his, his bad times with Kiss and they aren't too fond of him, a lot of the fans are because Vinnie Vincent is an amazing player. He really is. And he was a part of Kiss as equally as anybody else. And even though he wasn't in the band for as long as, as you know most of the others, the reason I say equally is because he still kept the band going. And I think that he should be honored for that. Yeah, he did. And uh, his output or his input um, into the Kiss discography, for me, is some of my favorite tracks. Uh, he, he was largely involved in Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up. And again, they brought him back for Revenge. And those albums, those songs on those records, some of them just smoke. Oh, yeah, he's a great writer. Very underrated in the whole... Uh, underrated by Kiss and Gene, uh, uh, Paul and Gene. right. And, but, and and by most other music fans, really. I mean, the general person doesn't know who Vinnie Vincent even is. Right. And it's too bad that that makeup design is getting lost under the deluge of, like, the new Kiss, you know? Yeah. Um, from the KissOnline.com store, uh, were you able to see any items? Have you recently purchased any items or will be purchasing any uh, items that are up on the st- up on the store now? Um, I did actually. I recently purchased the Archie Meets Kiss comic book, and uh, I love that. I that's definitely probably one of the only things I'm thrilled about because it helps get Kiss to the masses, and it's very well written. Actually, I don't read comic books, but this one I read it all in one sitting. It was very entertaining, and I like that. And I the merchandise looks pretty cool too. And I, I take it you have the uh, the compendium. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah everybody's got to. Um, for me, I would, I'm intrigued by the, uh, DVD board game. Really think that could be cool. Cool. Want to get that. And maybe I'm going to get the, uh, Love Gun 77 Jersey T for $24.95. Yeah. That's on my list too. Yeah. That's a really cool looking one. Are there any collectibles from, you know, past eras that you're, you've got your eye on? Oh, um, well, I would love to have at least one Mego doll. Oh, that the big dolls great. from the seventy, from the seventy. Yeah, those. How much do those fetch on eBay? I'm thinking like 
they start at a thousand bucks. Um, well, actually, they're just in about a hundred bucks each. Are you talking about the classic era one, the first series? Yeah, the classic era one. You can get you can get a doll for a hundred bucks. Yep. I didn't know that. How I actually I used to have one, but I ended up trading it away for something extremely rare. It was a is a really rare Swiss LP or something. And I do really regret it now, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't be with you on that. I'd keep the doll. I would have kept yeah. the doll. Um some of the thing, some of the collectibles that I I just haven't gotten around to getting is the uh, well one that pretty much tops the list is the uh, seventy eight Don Russ series of Kiss trading cards. Oh, cool! Yeah, which I used to have. Like I didn't have the whole set, but I had like twenty or thirty. I want them all now. Just Isn't that weird how that happens when you were a kid? You you didn't feel that desire, but now you're like, I want all those trading cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have space for it, but of course, every Kiss fan wants the uh, the Bally Pinball, the 79 Bally Pinball machine. Oh, yeah. I've played it, but it's not the same as owning it. Oh, I think one of the uh, greatest things that that I would love to own in terms of Kiss collectibles, there's in 1980, they put out a Phono record player with a lot of the imagery from Kiss Alive 2, and it plays your 45s and stuff. I would love to own that, but that's probably worth five grand. Oh, yeah, that would be so cool. I'm I'm actually just, I got my first turntable, actually. I'm, I'm still struggling to set it up um, because it, there's so many wires and things, mm-hmm. but I have a... Uh, I have three Kiss records, and it's interesting to see the contrast between Sonic Boom, the LP, and uh, Paul Stanley Solo and Love Gun, the other two that I have. It's really interesting to see that, you know, that's, it's just, you can just tell which one's vintage. And Mm -hmm. that's what I love about the old stuff, because it looks and feels and even smells like vintage. It just, it's just, you know what I mean? I definitely do. Now, with these albums you have, uh, does the Paul Stanley solo album come with a poster? It does not. Mm. I'm wondering if you could find that on eBay, just the four posters sold separately or together in a pack without the albums. I have the CD versions, but those aren't as good. Right. And they don't come with as big a poster if they even do. No. Yeah, they just come with the little tiny posters. Right. Do you have Kissopoly? Yes, I do. How is it? It's a fun game. It's uh it's a really fun game. I have it up on display right now and I haven't played it in a while, but I really do like it. It's um instead of go to jail, it's a sold out concert and things like that. Mhm. Yeah, yeah it's I'd, really cool. I'd love to get that too. I just missed out on it. It's sometimes when a product, a Kiss product or anything is staring at you in the face and you can get it. You always put it off. I right. Mean, it, it's better when you it's better when you can't really get it and then you wait, but then all of a sudden it's rare and you can't get it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any rare uh KISS merch items that maybe uh a lot of people may not know? Um, you know, not really. I have some some stuff that was picked up from their backstage area area on the Love Gun tour, like some pics and stuff which I think is pretty cool. I actually got it for free from a, from a fellow fan. Um, let me just look around here. I have, um, 
oh, I do have a signed Eric Singer drumhead from uh, the Revenge Tour. He actually played it in, um, can't remember the city, I think somewhere in Ohio. And uh, you can see the drum marks all over it. And I think that's probably my favorite Kiss item. From Revenge Era, you mean like from 92 or something? Yes. Wow. And he just sent that to you? No, actually, I got it on eBay. And uh, the guy... I, I know the actual person that was selling it, so I know that he wouldn't he wouldn't cheat me. You can tell it's authentic. Right. Now, did you tell Eric that? I actually showed him it when we were doing the interview. I edited it. I uh, took it out of the podcast version. But, yeah, I showed him, and he thought it was cool. Very cool. Very cool. And you play drums, so it means something even more. Yeah, definitely. It's hanging right over my uh, my head every night when I go to sleep, and um, it's great. I also... I. Uh, I used to have some assigned Eric Singer drum casing, and uh, I actually ended up trading that as well, which I also regret. But now I have plenty enough signatures to make me happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely really cool. How did you get into Kiss? I got into Kiss. Um, you know, that's I. I, I just kind of my mom actually suggested them when I was looking for a CD to get at the store. She got me a Kiss Greatest Hit CD. Heard Strutter. Ever since then, I've been a huge fan. And that was when I was about seven years old. Oh, very cool. So you've been a fan for six years. It's been progressing, yeah. That's great. And, you know, have you met Bill Starkey or have you ever communicated with him? Uh, Briefly, yes, on Facebook a little bit. Very cool. He's a cool guy. Well, Well, Cassius, thanks a lot, man, for talking about Kiss with me. I can talk about Kiss till the cows come home. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, um, you know, I'll do it again anytime. Awesome. Let's do that. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs>